Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You got me on. All right. It is for us a wonderful privilege to come back and to share with you and to see what God is doing. It is just uh, beyond words and uh, a million memories. So I could talk here for hours just on memories. But uh, Donna, did you make it? Are you here? Wave at me. Are you here? Where? Oh, all right, all right. I promised under threat of losing my life, I would not have her come up and say a word. Uh, Renee wanted to come up from Chicago, but things happened and couldn't. And Shri and Mitch were planning to come. His dad is um, slowly dying from cancer. And in the middle of the night, they called Mitch and Shri. He had fallen in the bathroom, couldn't get up. And so they went. They couldn't get him up. <clears throat> they called uh, 911. Ended up with nine people there and fire trucks and all the uh, equipment. They took him to the hospital in Portage, but then he had to be taken to St. Mary's. So they are there with, with him this morning, or they certainly would have been here. Well, memories, memories, memories. It is sometimes said that the pastor is the one that grows the church. But I would say the church grows the pastor. And we came, and you were kind and forgiving and helpful and encouraging, and our memories of this place are just beyond description. We thank God for being here those years, and we rejoice. And we thank God for bringing Tom and Alice to be the lead pastor and all of you who are staff to work together and elders and deacons and people because there's a great work to be done in Dane County. And uh, you can believe you're on my prayer list uh, almost every day that God will help you continue to be the church he wants you to be, that he's created you to be, and do the things that he wants you to do here in Dane County, and, and I believe he is. I drove in today, and everything is beautiful. Everything is so well kept up. I just, that impresses me. Everything is beautiful, even the parking lot. <laughs> <clears throat> when, we, when we built the church, uh, we just had gravel. We couldn't afford to do anything, and then the city said, you've got to do uh, black topping. Well, we did a little bit. And we never totally finished the way it was supposed to be with islands and trees and, and everything. So looks like you're doing it after <laughs> all these years. So thank you. Thank you so much. We continue to travel <clears throat> and minister in different places. The last couple of Sundays, I've been out preaching and uh, Chicago and, and uh, then later fly up to Edmonton, Alberta and drive out in the woods for an hour and speak at a camp and uh, come back here, and then we're flying out to Hemet, California to uh, speak at a pastor's retirement, and then back here, and probably right, after, probably right after Labor Day, we'll head back to Desert Hot Springs where our actual home is. So it's good to be here. Enough, enough, enough. So let's pray. Father in heaven, I ask that you would be glorified. I ask that your anointing would rest upon my mind my heart, and upon the minds and the hearts of everyone here, that we might hear what you would have us to hear, and that, Lord, you would actually be the speaker. Holy Spirit, you would be the interpreter and the worker in our hearts today, that we might hear and then do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. 
I want to speak <clears throat> on uh, the theme generation to generation. Generation to generation. This really came home to me a while back, and uh, <clears throat> I still try to read through the Bible from year to year to year to year. And so I, I usually read about four pages in the Psalms every day and the proverb of the day, which today would be I read Proverbs 12. And then through the Old Testament and New, Ta New Testament simultaneously. But this verse just leaped out at me in Psalm chapter 71 and verse 17 and 18. Oh God, you have taught me from my youth, and I still declare your wondrous deeds. And even when I am old and gray, I'm getting there, oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to all who are to come. For your righteousness, O God, reaches to the heavens, and it goes on. Another verse from Psalm 37, I've been young, and now I'm old. Amen. But I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Um, I am old. Some of you are maybe old, too. Oh, thank you, kind sir. I don't water down my message, but I'll have a sip. <laughs> I'm stealing that line from somebody else, but I like it. <clears throat> we have a responsibility as older people to speak into the lives of younger people. You who are younger people have an obligation to listen to what the older people say and to speak to those that are even younger than you. If I understand this verse just a little bit. We have experienced God. We have seen God. We are happy with what God has done. And, and we have a message so, I come back to you today as a dinosaur that's not extinct and want to share things that I trust God will speak into your heart. And I just asked in the staff prayer meeting how long Pastor Tom speaks. Well, I hope to turn you out earlier and maybe I'll get invited back. <laughs> it is so good to be here with you. Generation to generation. I remember when I was young, a little kid, and I heard my mom and dad talking that dad, my dad's birthday was coming up. He was going to be 40. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> he won't be alive much longer. <clears throat> I won't have a dad. He's going to be 40. Well, there's another old saying that we've all heard, and, but it has truth. Uh, when we're a little kid, dad is our hero. We grow a little bit and a little older, and Dad is our buddy. We fish together, we throw the football together, and, and Dad's our buddy. Then all of a sudden, we're a teenager, and Dad is dumber than dumb. <laughs> He's about as stupid as dirt. Dad knows nothing, and we're almost embarrassed to ever have to introduce him to our teenage friends. I mean, Dad, oh, Dad, oh, this is my dad. <laughs> then a few more years slip by, and you know the story. We're married. We're going to buy a house. And we look at the house. There's a crack in the foundation. Dad, can you come look at the house? We don't want to buy this house if it's going to crumble and fall. Or we get the house. Call, Dad, Dad, it's cold and the furnace won't work. Could you come and, and look at it? Or it's hot. Dad, the air conditioning quit. We're just cooking. Can Dad suddenly got smart. It's amazing how smart dad got in those few years after being so absolutely dumb. Generation to generation. Every generation must experience regeneration or there will be degeneration and then termination. 
We need from generation to generation to meet God. And those of us that are older hopefully have a message to say to those that are younger. Psalm 71, verses 17 and 18. Oh, God, you have taught me from my youth, and I still declare your wondrous deeds. And even when I am old and gray, oh, God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation and your power to all who are to come. For your righteousness, O God, reaches to the heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you? Now we know God never changes. Malachi says, I am the Lord, speaking for God, I am the Lord, I change not. And Hebrews 13, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. But each generation needs to hear, to see, to witness, God is alive, powerfully so, not just back hundreds of years ago. And I want to be, I want to be doing my part to share how wonderful God is. Now, the experts, whoever they are, who write all the books and do all the surveys, say millennials were born between 1984 and 19. 19- 98 millennials some of you are here millennials gen xers were born between 1965 and 1983 okay boomers were born 1946 through 1964 elders born before 1946 dinosaurs before that <laughs> but some of us aren't extinct we're still kicking teenagers <clears throat> i guess born between 1999 and and up through now. I don't know who comes up with all these, but we read about that. Now, it concerns me because according to these statistics, Americans are more and more skeptical about the Bible. One in five, one in five are really, really skeptical about the Bible. And just 10 years ago, only 10%. Now it's 22% skeptical about the Bible. There are reasons for that, of course. There are reasons. Now, (sighs) we have a job in this day in which we live to declare and to demonstrate the grace and the glory and the power of God, those of us who are older. Now, I want to take that mandate from God And I want to heed this admonition as an elder to declare to the younger generation the power and the presence, the glory, and the wonder of God. I want to do that. But as an oldster, what is an oldster? I used to think (laughs) 40 was old. Now I think anybody 20 years older than me is old. And who are the youngsters? Now I think anybody maybe 20 years younger than me is a youngster, whatever. I have an obligation, I think, I have a mandate from God to share the goodness of God and all there is about God. Donna's dad passed away uh, a couple years ago. And when he was 90, we were here, and he had, had gone to the hospital a few days, and then they put him in a uh, respite care or assisted care for a few weeks. And one day at noon, Cherie, who 
counsels for hospice, uh, went to see him and happened to be at noon. And they brought the tray into his room for his food. And Sri said, Grandpa, they're, they're eating in the dining hall just, uh, you know, just a few steps from you. Why, why don't you go down there and eat with them? He said, oh, honey, oh, honey, I don't like old people. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's 90. <laughs> Some younger Christians aren't particularly excited about us older Christians. And there are reasons. There are reasons. Now, if Psalm 71 tells us we're to declare all this about God, who will listen? Will youngsters listen? If I'm grumpy and crabby and critical and negative and cynical about this generation, man, they won't. It's as simple as that. If I don't like the music, what do we have up here this morning? Where's the organ? <laughs> if that's my response and my comments, and in the staff prayer meeting this morning, of all things, I noticed somebody with a man bun. Oh, dear God. <laughs> a man with a man bun. And somebody with a nose pierced. And television and technology and all the stuff that's going on together today, I just, I'm, just, I'm just negative. I'm just cynical. I'm critical. Young people won't even want to be near me. We have determined, as years have slipped by, that we will not be that kind of old people. And to some extent, I can say we have been successful because our grandkids like to be with us. Well, of course, it's below zero and it's snowing and we're in warm <laughs> southern Cal. But there's more than that. <laughs> they especially call and text grandma. What do you think about this? What's your opinion about that? Do you have any ideas about this? And, and for us, that is thrilling that young people, grandkids, young generation want to speak to us old generation. And we can share with them the good things of God, the power of God, the blessing of God, and what God has done in our lives. I believe that should be true in the church at large. Young people, youngsters, want to hear what us oldsters have to say. But you know, it's not going to happen <clears throat> if we're critical and grumpy, negative and cynical. But if we are walking and exhibiting Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, temperance, faith, it's visible, the fruit of our lives. If God is at work in our lives and they see that we love Jesus, of course things have changed since we were kids and young people, but we're not negative about it. We love God and we love to be with people of God. We love to be in church and, and, and we have something to say about what God is doing, not just 2,000 years ago. Maybe today you're here and you're single. And, and you'd like to be married. I don't have the answer why some people aren't married and God hasn't answered their prayer. Pastor Tom knows, so ask him. <laughs> <laughs> but I know this. I started praying for a wife when I was nine years old. I was very mature. <clears throat> no, our home was a, a typical Nebraska primitive farm home. But my dad was not a Christian. My mom became saved. Oh, she was like Bill Valley says, good saved. Filled with the Holy Spirit, healed of a heart 
uh, attacked, she should have died. And she was just overjoyed and, and about salvation, and my dad just resisted it. So I could see in our home, this was not happy. This was not good. Mom's all out for Jesus, and Dad's all out against it. So I started praying, God, I, I, if I get married, I, I want to I be joined together in our faith, in, in knowing you and loving you. And, you know, along came this family visiting our church one summer day in the Wednesday night prayer meeting, and I saw Donna. It was 1954. Four years later, we got married. That was a God thing. So young person or not so young, God does answer prayer. And, and if you're thinking of marriage and wanting to experience marriage, pray. A lot of other things go into it too, but, you know, put on a little perfume and take a bath once in a while and <laughs> dress nice and, and be nice. But God is still on the throne. Now, maybe you're considering... What should I be doing in life? What's my career? Maybe you're already uh, older, but you're not sure. You're not satisfied about your job and, and what you're doing. God cares. God cares. And, and I can testify that as a, as a young boy, I felt like God was starting to speak to me about being in the ministry. But how could I be in the ministry? I went to a one-room school, one teacher, all eight grades, and uh, no electricity, no indoor plumbing. And even with all eight grades, I don't think we ever had more than 12, 14 kids. And I was always first in my class. I was the only one in my class. <laughs> so I was first, and I was last. <laughs> but I was so bashful, shy, introverted, insecure. If, if the teacher asked me, Warren, stand up and, and say something, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I never created a problem all my years in school. Because I was scared. I was intimidated. I was insecure. I had no self-confidence. I just... So how could I be a pastor? How could I speak? God calls. God enables. God opens the doors. And so as Pastor John said, I mean, we pastored in Nebraska, then we pastored in Minnesota, then we came here in 1969 to 69 people. And I don't know what happened except God. God. I... I take this verse out of context, so you know, I know, I know. But in the Hebrew, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts of the Spirit, one of them is, and to another, the working of miracles. And I said, Lord, we need to have a little covenant. I'm a farm kid. I know how to work. But anything after that, <laughs> you have to do the miracles. And he did. And so I, I'm thrilled to see how the church continues. God is still alive. Some of you were here when I came back from Liberia, West Africa, and they gave me up to die. Brought a fever back, and the, the best of the doctors here and the university doctors here couldn't, couldn't figure it out what to do. And they told Don he's dying. We don't know what to do. We can't help him. And someone in the church stood up and prophesied, Pastor Heckman is living in sin. If he doesn't repent, he's going to die. <laughs> Pastor Bernie Norman stood up and said, that's a lie. That's not from God. Bless Bernie's heart. Well, I'm alive. God did a miracle. God still works miracles. Hallelujah. And some of you have asked, how is Garth, our son, who went through horrible cancer in uh, 2008, and then a couple years later, 
uh, again from colon cancer, then two years later to liver cancer. Horrible, horrible, horrible. He is cancer-free four years, I forget, or five years. God is alive. God is alive. But, but my mother or my brother, they died. I can't understand that. Ask Pastor Tom. <laughs> I can only say what God has done in our lives. Miraculous. God is still alive, young people. And I feel this mandate to share this message. This is the message. God is at work. God is alive. I am an oldster speaking to you that are youngsters. I want you to know God. Maybe you do. Walk with God. Experience God. Know God is a friend that is closer than a brother. Know God who walks by your side. Know God who goes through all kinds of things with you. And you experience, John 10, 10, life and that more abundantly. Abundant life. Roger Olson came up with the, the idea, let's call the school Abundant Life Christian School. And God is blessing Roger down in uh, New Glarus. I get to speak for him in a couple of weeks. Marvelous what God is doing. So, we have this message, and the Living Bible translation is a little bit different. I want to clarify God's grace, His power, His love, His forgiveness, and His mercy. It has not changed. But there's another side to it. God has not changed in His holiness. And Hebrews 12, 14, or 14, 12, I don't think there's a 14 <laughs> Hebrew scissor. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. No person will see the Lord. And it concerns me as an oldster, not to be negative and cynical, but it, it concerns me today. There's been a huge sweeping emphasis across our land about grace. Well, we probably needed that to re- understand God's grace. But there are some that are teaching God's grace is so great you can sin. It doesn't matter. Paul really nails that against that in his writings, the Apostle Paul. God still calls us to holy and pure life, not the legalism that we used to have. You know, when you get old, you, you have all these funny memories and thoughts. <clears throat> and I was looking at the worship team. What a great job you did. But, oh, my goodness, jeans on the platform? Dear God. <laughs> it's a wonder lightning didn't come down. And women that didn't have sleeves down to here and skirts down to here and all that stuff. Oh. Not that kind of stuff. No, not that kind of stuff. But purity and holiness, when it comes to one of the big issues today in our land, we don't have as many divorces because we don't have as many marriages. We just live together. Now, I, I don't want to get off on a tangent because I want you to love me, but I could. <laughs> Not legalism, but what does the Bible say? Search the Bible. What is living a holy life? What is living the way God wants us to live? And in Psalms, it says to have... Uh, clean hands and a pure heart. I want to live that. I want to exhibit that. I want to manifest that in my life so that the youngsters can see an oldster that is on fire for God and lives a holy life, not a legalistic life. 
for the life of loving Jesus Christ and, and exhibiting that love by how I talk and by how I walk, by what I do, by what I say. A message. We have a message. Well, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, 12, and 13 has been a very, very prominent text in recent years and depends on your translation. Behold, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to bless you and prosper you and do good for you. And that's great. But oftentimes we forget verse 13. Then when you seek me with all your heart, you will hear from me, I will hear from you. When we seek him with all our heart. So we have our part to do it. But why, why would an oldster share this kind of a message? Because I want everyone that's growing up and that is younger to experience these things in God. Maybe you already are, then hallelujah. But in this world and this time in which we live, Am I experiencing Psalm 1611? In his presence is fullness of joy, and at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I love loving God. I have the joy and the blessing of the Lord in my life, and it's wonderful, it's awesome. There's nothing in all the world that compares to this experience relationship with God. It says in verse uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me. All you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There are all kinds of things today in our society that just wear us out, make life hard, and we do get weary, and, and it's like the yoke is heavy. But here is a promise that we can experience that he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh, isn't that great? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And there's uh, John 14, 27. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. There's a lot of things to cause us to have our anxious and troubled hearts and minds. But God says, I want, uh, Jesus said, I want to give you peace. My kind of peace. Not as the world gives. My kind of peace. It's a wonderful thing to live in a turbulent world, uncertain world, and be at peace because of the peace of God. It says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow, there's been a, a fairly current song um, about our sins being forgiven as far as the east is from the west, some current person or group singing it. And, and just that'll blow your mind. How far is the east from the west? That's east, isn't it? West. It's, you can't measure but that's how far our, our sin are taken away. And we sin. Let's face it. We sin. If you don't think you, you sin, I want to talk to your spouse. <laughs> we sin. We sin. But, oh, oh, it's indescribable. We confess our sin, and we're sad before God, and he forgives our sin, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Do you know that? Have you experienced that? Are you carrying a heavy burden? As an old sir, I want to declare that to the youngsters. He forgives sin. He forgives it. And we can start over. Then, finally, Isaiah 41.10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. 
Once in a while, I'm a, I'm a news junkie. Once in a while, I just don't watch the news for a few days. It's, it's scary. If it isn't earthquakes and tornadoes and floods and, and, you know, natural disasters, it's another uprising in Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, or someplace, and, and all kinds of people are killed. Or it's, you know, bombing, terrorist bombing, like it was in Paris and these other places, uh, a mass shooting. And it's very depressing. The only thing that encourages me is our political campaigning. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. We won't go there. We won't go there. And I won't talk about it after church. But all this stuff that's going on, I find myself sometimes getting anxious. 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 I tried to find, uh, you know, when we left here, I had four drawer files, uh, a whole wall full, and Nancy kept it all together for me and categorized. And I had filed away an article that said, the world, excuse me, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. The kids are rebellious. They don't obey their parents. There's more crime. There's crime in the streets. There's uprising in our cities. And, and on and on and on and on. And then it was written 250 years ago. <laughs> 250 years ago, they were worried about society too. So then I said, Lord, you're still on the throne. You are still God. And I am your child. And so my anxious thoughts from Isaiah 41, do not fear and do not be anxious, for I am your God. I am your God. I am your God. And that's it, folks. <laughs> As oldsters, we have a message for the younger generation. And I'm convinced they will listen. They will listen if they see God in us. Not a cranky old grumpy old grandpa, critical of everything today. Whoever you were in staff meeting with that man bun, hooray for you. <laughs> You've got courage. <laughs> I would have one, but I'm bald in the back. There's nothing <laughs> to do a man bun with. Seriously, older folks, let's live so younger want to emulate us. And younger folks, Find someone that still is in love with Jesus and not grumpy and critical and negative and cynical and, and get to know them and hear how God is still at work in their lives so that Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that I have for you, plans for good and not for evil, plan to prosper you and bless you and so on, can be a reality because we take verse 13 into, into our lives also. Then will you seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's what we need to do. I'm going to pray in closing, and then I understand staff usually comes forward, and, and if you want prayer, they will pray with you, and that's awesome. Father, we thank you that you are in this place. We thank you that you're alive today, just as powerful, just as present, just as awesome as ever, ever, ever. We want to be the kind of people that demonstrate that, exhibit that, uh, manifest that. Let us be the kind of believers, young or old, that stand out because of our joy and our love and our, our loving people and loving God and, and wanting to help others. Help us, Lord, to be that kind of people. In Jesus' name, and bless 
City Church as it continues. Amen. Let's stand, and if some of the staff want to come, and I know the worship team will get going. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your listening to an old dinosaur. Thank you. Thank you.